everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Life Lessons Podcast, the podcast that explores different people's journeys in life. As normal, I'm your host, Marcus Leeson, and today's guest is following a career path that I really considered. She got into physiotherapy school at Western University, and I'm excited to hear about how she got to this point and how she is enjoying her experience there. We also both share the common sport of dragon boating, and having not been on the same team, I'm curious to hear how her experience compares with mine. So here with me today, we have Diana Pham. Uh, how are you doing today, Diana? Good, I'm doing great, Marcus. How are you doing? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I just got off work a little while ago, so a little tired, but you know. Oh, that's uh, a- are you currently working at- in Vancouver right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just on co-op, so. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's kind of chill. Um, yeah. You mind maybe giving like a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah, so like you said, I'm in second year now in physiotherapy at Western, and that's over in London, so I'm on the East Coast, which is a change because I originally grew up um, in Vancouver, BC. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we've done some paddling, obviously not together, but on different teams, so yeah. that's how we kind of know of each other. But um, yeah, so school's going well. I'm just currently on placement, so I'm doing an acute care placement at Woodstock Hospital at the moment. Okay, cool. Um, so I guess to begin with, like, um, as I me- as you mentioned, you're in physio school right now. Um, was physio, or when did you realize you kind of wanted to start en- uh, entering that physiotherapy path? Uh, was it something fresh out of high school, or you've realized during undergrad? No, that's a good question, and I always get that question all the time. Um, but I actually started in sciences for two years at UBC. And it wasn't until I actually took a course in the summer for like anatomy physiology that I realized that I um, enjoy kind of learning more about the human body and how it moves and how it works, how it kind of goes through rehab process um, and just being sort of very active and kind of involved in a lot of sports. That's how I kind of kind of meshed the two, integrated those two kind of passions. And that's how I was intrigued about the fields of physiotherapy. Okay. Um, Sorry, so what was your undergrad? Because you just mentioned that you did two years in sciences. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So, yeah, so after two years of sciences, I transferred over to kinesiology at UBC, and then Mm -hmm. I just finished my bachelor's there um, before applying to physiotherapy um, over here. So, yep. Oh, okay. Wait, sorry, so are you... Or what year were you born? Because I'm just trying to remember how how much older you are than me. (laughs) I was born in 96. Okay, so not not that much older. Three years. Yeah, because you're uh, currently in your... Uh, fourth year of university. Ooh, all yeah. right. But I haven't started fourth year of courses yet, just because I've had a co-op. Oh, but nice. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. just a little bit more extended. Yeah, yeah. No, but damn, that's wild. Because actually, I was also a science undergrad at first. I did like a year of science, and then I switched to eng. Oh, so. no way. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What was your major at first? Because you pick in second year, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was in integrated sciences. Oh. Yeah, so, um, yep. <laughs> okay, yeah. And then, sorry, so from so from that point, once you switched to kin, your plan was like, oh, I'm going to try and gun for physio school? Uh, I, I guess so. In, in a sense, it was kind of, um, I was exploring my options in kinesiology, but <laughs> also just working throughout undergrad. So I was at a physio clinic for a number of years, and that's how I got exposed to that field. And just kind of working with a multidisciplinary health team, I got to kind of see more of that, and that's how I learned more about that occupation. So, 
yeah, I guess through my experiences there, that's how I kind of decided to go on that pathway. Mm -hmm. Did you have a backup plan or? My, um, I don't think so. Not so much. I think that once I kind of set my mind on physiotherapy, I kind of just went for it and I just continued Mm -hmm. on for it. So, yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, I know like a bunch, I I know that I'm pretty sure physiotherapy is like one of the most competitive um, like masters or like post un- post undergrads to get into. Um, so I guess what's like the process like and everything? Because I, I have some friends who are trying to get into physio school and I think lots of them are like, I feel like I need a backup. So yeah, I guess maybe what's the process like and how was it for you? And you know what? I actually, I feel like I felt that way too when I was in undergrad. I, mm. I feel like the fields of physiotherapy is getting more and more um, known by students and just by other healthcare professionals. So yeah, in the sense that it feels like there is a lot of pressure and kind of um, that competitiveness of getting into the program. But to be honest, if you kind of have like a lot going on for yourself, like if you're involved in extracurriculars and you're keeping up, you know, decent grades um, and meeting all the prerequisites, then you have a fair chance of getting in. I no. I, I feel. Yeah. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. um, yeah. Sorry. Maybe if you can go over like what the different processes and maybe how many physio schools there are and just how competitive the program is. Yeah. So I can just kind of talk a little bit more about my experiences and the schools I uh, applied to in particular. So I sure. did apply to UBC and then I also applied to a couple of schools out in the east. So that was McMaster, uh, Western and I believe it was, um, I think U of T, but then I pulled my application and I'll explain why in a bit. But um, yeah, all the processes for all the schools were quite similar in the sense where, yeah, you kind of submit your prerequisites. So you have to meet kind of certain courses throughout your undergrad. And then you sort of have to build your personal profile. So they'll ask you kind of what volunteer activities or what kind of experiences related to the field of physiotherapy that you're involved in. And then from there, after you build your kind of application, um, then there is certain there's certain different programs or kind of like an online um, interviewing process. um, If you kind of put words into it, it's kind of like there's if you've heard of like Cura or Casper um, that a bunch of schools use. And that's kind of just to add to um, your your application in a sense where they kind of ask you questions um, and it's like live. So then you have to answer on the spot and you're under a time limit. So just like different questions, random questions. So questions related to ethical um, issues or just um, things that kind of just allow the interviewers to understand more of who you are as a person. And so, yeah, so that was another big component of it. Um, I think it was just UBC that I had to do a multiple mini interview in person. And like that by far was probably one of the most scariest um, moments in my life, I feel. Mm. I think think I'm scarred for life, actually. (laughs) I don't think I can move on from that moment or I try to not think about it too much. Um, Because I don't think I've been in that situation before where it's kind of like, you know, you have multiple stations and you just go from one station to the next and you don't know what kind 
of or how to prepare for it and it sounds daunting to a lot of people and like it is and it's hard to kind of practice for it um but you know you just have to keep on trying to build that confidence up and then hopefully things go well on your end so that's just the gist of it wait sorry so how did sorry you were saying the ubc one was some multi-station thing so i'm just imagining like was it just like speed dating but for interviews like like (laughs) that that's a good analogy i don't think it's as enjoyable um (laughs) but yeah so i i don't know if i feel like in terms of kind of relating to like med school sort of i think they have that too where like yeah you go in person um you're with a bunch of other like candidates as well but essentially you have like a minute or so to read sort of a case scenario in the front of a room Mm-hmm. And then you, um, like the, the ringer kind of buzzes and then you just have to go into the station and basically introduce yourself and just, um, either answer the, the station. So whether it's, it, it could be a, a role playing station, it could be just, mm-hmm. um, discussing your perspectives on a certain topic, um, or just, um, yeah, debating a topic and whatnot, but it's all very random. It's like, it could be related to like current health topics or, or just asking you how you would kind of, I I don't think I can even talk about this. I don't know, but um, just like something about like um, how you would address a certain like patients, let's say if they had a concern, um, things like that. So yeah, it was like, I feel like it was like 10, 10 stations or something, but it was just like, mm-hmm. you go on from one station to the next, the next, the next. Oh, so they aren't physio specific questions. They're just like, just questions to kind of find out how you handle different situations or? And in most cases, yeah, it was kind of random questions. I feel like there maybe have a few that kind of would um, be somewhat related to the field of physiotherapy. Mm. So a, a lot of times it kind of like these scenarios, they kind of want to tease out how you would approach a situation. So it really, like you have to really apply your problem, um, solving skills and kind of like how you would work in a team. So it's, it's a lot of attributes that would be related to physiotherapy, I'd say. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so earlier you mentioned that you applied to, I believe I counted four different schools. Um, yeah. Uh, how many physio schools are there in Canada? Oh, I can't give you an exact number, but I feel like each province, there's at least one. I know in Ontario, there is multiple. So that's, therefore I applied to more than one. Um, just going back to, I think U of T, I mentioned that I pulled my application. I think that's just the only reason I did that was because there's like an entrance exam where you'd have to actually fly over to Toronto to complete that and again it's just a kind of like a quick test to kind of um see how you answer certain questions but Mm -hmm. I couldn't justify paying the flights (laughs) over to uh, take the exam so I was just like you know what I I think I'm good with just applying to three schools and Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna pull my application from that so okay (laughs) uh for those online interview uh questions was it also like a face-to-face type of thing or was it one of those ones where they just ask a question and you just talk for like a minute and you get no feedback exactly so the latter so they you answer um and then they it's recorded obviously and then there's also certain questions where you just type out the answer so a lot of times you want to be clear and concise and you don't want to kind of ramble on and if you know if you make a spelling error or whatnot it's it's not too important and the point is to kind of 
answer however best you can, right? So. Okay. No, that's. I feel like that's way worse than the multi-station thing because I feel like at least when it's face to face, you get that like feedback of like, oh, I. They like what I'm saying, I'll keep going, or they're like, or you're like, okay, wait, wait, um, maybe I shouldn't say that, I'm gonna switch the subject a little. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, definitely. Normally you get those, like, nods or uh-huhs or something. I, I hope I'm not scaring you off from applying to physiotherapy, because no. <laughs> I feel like you'd be a great candidate. <laughs> no. So actually, that was uh, something I was wondering the other day, so I literally looked up the other day just for fun, um, what I need to get into physio school, just also because I knew I was uh, interviewing with you. Um, so I, do you know what the prerequisite courses were? I just saw that it said like, you need to take some certain courses, uh, and then you have to do some volunteer hours with, uh, like, uh, I think it was either like disability kids or special needs to some extent. And then the Casper test. Um, exactly. And you, you kind of summarize that nicely. Um, I think for the prereqs, they typically, they stay the same from year to year, but occasionally they change so um, like you could be you know trying to plan out your courses for the next year and then they'll they'll change on the application that they want you to actually take a different course so it's always good to keep um, an eye out for that as much as you can but yes I can't remember from the top of my head but there's like you know you'd have to take your um, like a psycho um like a psychology course for certain schools you'd have to take like you know your your basic anatomy physiology physics uh those kind of courses so um yeah and a lot of times like in terms of like the application related if um they usually they do a good job the websites um from schools they put out sort of a list from um other schools if you're like an undergrad of what is kind of eligible or approved to be a prerequisite okay yeah, I was going to ask, so, like, your classmates and stuff, are most of them, are pretty much all of them in kin as well, or? Uh... Yeah, the majority of them are. Uh, there, I think there was a couple maybe from, like, just, like, general sciences, or, um, but yes, the majority of them were, I think, I guess, kin students, so, which made it kind of like... easier. Oh, okay. Are there any students from, like, engineering or, I don't know, like, a physics major or something like that? Or not even one? I don't re- I don't recall. But okay. that doesn't mean that you can't apply, because <laughs> as long as you have an undergrad, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True, but just wondering how long those courses will take. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I guess on that note then, because, um, as you said, like, you could have done it through sciences, and I know... Um, like a mutual physiotherapist, Travis Dodds. Shout out if you're listening. I doubt you are, but if you are, that'd be hype. But yeah, tra- uh, Travis, uh, I know he told me that he was in sciences. Um, and then he just did like an extra couple courses and then went to physio. So what made you want to, like, if you start thinking in second year, you're like, oh, maybe physio is a path for me. What made you go like, oh, maybe I should switch to kinesiology? Yeah, and so that was my debate, right? Like, whether or not I should just continue with sciences for the rest of my undergrad, since I was already in it. And mm-hmm. um, transferring over would just been, like, you know, extra hassle for me to kind of uh, catch up on those courses. But I think I was just kind of limited to the um, confines of the science degree so with being in sciences you know you obviously you don't get priority in getting into those kin courses mm-hmm. and so you're constantly put on the wait list and for me I feel like that would have been a barrier to me completing my degree in a certain amount of time okay. and so I just wanted the full experience of just kind of taking all the kin courses at once um, and mm-hmm. I was at that point I was just kind of set on 
I mean, the first two years of my science degree, like, it it was, it wasn't, like, it's not, it wasn't enjoyable. It was just, you know, it was kind of difficult and it made me realize that, you know, maybe doing general sciences wasn't for me. So in terms of that, that it was just, it honestly came down to just meeting requirements and not wanting to meet all the science requirements. So, um, yeah, just transferring over to kinesiology just made it easier for me to take all those kinesiology courses. Okay, that makes sense. And I'm assuming most of the required courses are kin courses? Yes, yes. You do have oh, to take okay. a couple of electives, but um, and the majority of it was kin. Okay. Do you have any advice for uh, people who are applying into physio school, maybe this year or in this upcoming year? Yeah, um, in terms of courses to take or, or just... Or, I don't know, anything just from your experience having gone through it, like, what is some advice you might give? I think it would just be at the end of the day to take, you know, sort of plan your courses in the sense where, you know, you kind of want to, in your last two years, to have obviously a good average at the end of it. So in terms of, you know, kind of planning out if certain courses are a bit easier to take and they're upper level, then possibly kind of putting that towards the end um and and again that just kind of helps you too with kind of reducing stress and allowing you to enjoy the last bits of undergrad right Mm -hmm. so um or even taking like anatomy like caps um i think it was 390 or 391 um in your third or fourth year not Mm -hmm. only were those good refreshers to kind of um learn again or review those anatomy and physiology content but it was for me it was enjoyable so at the end of the day just taking courses that are enjoyable to you um and at the same time will help with your grade that would help with sort of the average to get into or apply for those physio schools and then again just you know selecting one or two extracurriculars that you're passionate about and that you can actually expand on when you're talking about it in your applications okay I was gonna, I was, yeah, talking about the application. So then is there like a written portion or something or is it, is your personality stuff only shown through Casper? No. So yeah, you do have to write a couple of things and um, certain schools will um, ask you a couple of questions possibly. And you'd have to write like a one page sort of essay about it um, just to kind of answer those questions. And yeah, most of the, like a neat thing about the schools in Ontario is that there's like sort of a online um, program, I think it's called Orpas, but it it basically is kind of like the umbrella um, website to kind of use that. And you would basically put in like essentially one application and that would go go out to all of those schools in Ontario. So it's not redundant in a sense. Mm Um, So that's the neat thing about it. And so on that application, you would kind of um, just write like maybe like a really short, like one or two liner about expanding about um, your extracurriculars. So, um, yeah, so you do have to talk a little bit about it in a written Uh component of the application. Wait, sorry, did you literally mean like one or two lines? <laughs> not for the not for the whole application um yeah. for for when it was asking you about maybe your volunteer experiences like it would be like kind of like list five things and and give like you know give one or two lines to talk about a sort of thing um oh, so that would be one component of the application oh, oh, oh. and then there would be yeah. maybe other questions to follow up okay cool 
Um, so yeah, now that you're in physio school, like, um, how, how does it work and how has your experience there been so far? Uh, now that I've been in physio school, so the first year was a lot of content based. So it was a lot of like in-person lectures and we would just, uh, like the first term was a lot of just heavy contents on reviewing the foundational sort of topics. And so after that first like term or in the second term, um, kind of going through all like the anatomy, physiology and like biomechanics and and sort of exercise prescription and learning certain treatment techniques. Then mm-hmm. essentially we were supposed to have our first placement, so first clinical placement in I believe it was June of last year, but because oh, of yeah. COVID everything was canceled. Mm-hmm. So we didn't actually yeah. get our first placement until November. And so yeah, the full Basically, the majority of second year was going through placements. So instead of having five placements, I now have four. And so I'm on my second placement now. And then the rest of the second year would be the the final two. Okay. So so June to November, did you have classes or did they just say like nothing's happening anymore? (laughs) It's it's funny because like when everything shut down at the end of February of last year, we -hmm. just quickly transitioned over to online learning. And then so I actually flew back to Vancouver um, from March onwards. So I was actually home from March to end of August of last year, just doing Uh online school the whole time. Uh, So I didn't actually come back to London until September. And that's when we were still online learning. And we only went into, we only went in for small in-person labs for like maybe a couple of days just to Uh kind of work on those hands-on skills. But then we'd go Mm -hmm. back to online learning. Okay. Yeah. So would you say that first year, for from what I understand, like is first year still very much like traditional schooling, just like lectures, tests, lectures, tests. Yeah, yeah. So exactly that. Um, it was a lot of lectures, and then we would get kind of tested on it either through a written exam. Um, in uh-huh. terms of like sort of the practical skills, we would kind of review those in lab, and then we would get tested on those um, as well. So. Yeah. Wait, sorry, how do you do labs online though? <laughs> yeah, oh, so, sorry, so that was in first term or first um, year in a bit when we were in person, oh. but after oh. when we were kind of transitioned over to online learning, we tried to do sort of like clinical reasoning cases over through Zoom, um, and oh, that right. was very interesting because we would just talk about cases and like what we would do with patients. But uh, we actually didn't get tested too much, like, in terms of, like, hands-on skills, because we didn't learn any until, <laughs> like, uh, just recently in, in this, the uh, beginning of the year when we had, like, a week of labs. We kind of just reviewed everything for a week, and then at the end of that week, we kind of got tested on a few skills in person. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is there anything different that you guys do in first year than, like, traditional school, I guess? Because I'm just thinking, like, at least for engineering, there's always, like, uh, I think something that's pretty cool is there's always, like, design projects where you work in, like, a big team and you, like, work on building some big thing. Is there, for physio school, is it mostly just, like, lectures, tests, and labs then? Or is there also, like, some team aspect? Or I don't really know. Yeah, no, that's, obviously, we don't build as many cool things as you guys. But, um, (laughs) no, we do work in a team quite often, actually. And we'll uh, work on presentations together, or we'll work in lab together to kind of um, build our skills. So there's a large component of that, yeah, in the program. 
Okay. And then um, I guess now that you are doing your uh, practicum, um, yeah, what are the... Sorry, you said this is your second term doing practicum now? Yeah, this is my second placement. Okay. Yep. Oh, sorry. So yeah, what were the two places you were at and uh, I guess how were those? Yeah, so my first placement, it was actually in this small town called Godrich, up uh, a little bit outside of London here. So I was there for seven weeks, and it was basically a private MSK clinic. So it was a lot of seeing like outpatient orthopedic patients, so after their elective surgeries, and running through them, um, running through their exercises. And then I, I also got to see a lot of other kind of conditions as well, so just general... Um, kind of like low back, neck, neck injuries and, and whatnot, or work safe claims. So it was kind of like, um, a good variety of patients, but it was, it was, it's interesting because, you know, you kind of work with, um, again, like a small town and it's very different from being in an urban area, which I'm so used to living in mm-hmm. Vancouver or even study in London. Um, so you do, you do see sort of a different type of population, but it's good experience. And then, so this might, oh, yeah. This my current one right now is my second one and it's um, at a hospital and that one's very cool because I got to, you know, see how working in a big team environment is. I got to see a mm-hmm. couple of surgeries in person the other day, which yeah, was awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. It was, it was wicked. Like I got to see like a knee joint replacement and they were just like Ooh. hacking and <laughs> hacking and sawing. But anyways, I don't want to go into too many gory details here, but yeah. um, that was probably the highlight of my placement. And so, yeah, it's been good. Like we, again, we get to work with a lot of like elective surgeries and just seeing like general medicine patients. So just people with uh-huh. different kind of chronic conditions, which is nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm uh, I'm kind of curious then because uh, sorry from what it sounds like both or so you work at a hospital and then before it was kind of like a re rehabilitation hospital type place as well or yeah yeah so essentially. Of, okay. Yeah, so essentially how placements work is that, you know, you sort of try to get a little bit of experience. It's kind of like your co-op where you try to get experience in different fields and different um, work with kind of different populations. But we do have certain requirements to meet to graduate. And so obviously it's a little bit different now with COVID and we're more limited in opportunities. But like you would try to kind of work in like a private clinic for one. You would try to work in like sort of a rehab setting or a hospital placement for another. And mm-hmm. so we just have to meet those hours, um, and we get the experience along with it, so. Oh, uh, what I was going to ask is, like, working in a rehab or hospital setting, uh, did you feel like, um, I don't know, just, I'm assuming, like, obviously the people, your patients, like, really don't want to be there. Uh, some of them are probably, like, struggling really badly, right? Like, uh, like obviously you see in shows, like, uh, people just like struggling just to walk and stuff like for you I guess how was it emotionally or were you just excited just to be just to have the experience in general or were you sometimes you're going in and you're like man little Billy still can't walk <laughs> oh and no that that hits as it hits home hard because yeah no that's that is a common thing that people experience in the hospital right and so uh-huh. For me, that was quite a big adjustment from kind of having placement in a private clinic to being in a hospital is that big emotional aspect of it because, you know, a lot of these patients at the end of the day, they are older patients. They have somewhat of a cognitive impairment. And so for me, it was just sort of trying to kind of focus on the positive aspects of their rehab 
kind of mm-hmm. experience. And so if it was just kind of inching away at helping them uh, walk, like, of course, it's going to be a slow, very long process. And they understand mm-hmm. that and they're frustrated and, you know, they go through the ins and outs of how they're feeling from day to day in terms of like mm-hmm. medication or whatever else they're experiencing. But that's a nice thing about my kind of job at the hospital right is that I get to kind of come in and help them get up and moving which is which always feels nice for for someone especially if they're in bed for so long and Mm -hmm. so again just even if they're feeling a bit down it's just kind of again focusing on the positive aspects of hey you know you you got up today that's better Mm -hmm. than yesterday you know (laughs) Um, or you know you took a step or you took two steps so yeah Mm -hmm. just focusing on those things Okay, yeah, no, mm-hmm. because I think that's really interesting. Because um, obviously, or maybe not obviously, but I guess for us, uh, when I first think of physiotherapy, it's like you're helping athletes like get better and perform at the highest levels and all that, right? Yeah. But uh, when you dive more into like the different fields within physiotherapy, you start to realize, like, oh, like this is like, very impactful, and there's also this very, I guess, more sadder side to physiotherapy as well. Yeah, uh, and yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I was also just—it was just interesting to hear because I feel like, for me at least, I feel like that would just kind of bring my mood down all the time. Like always being around little Billy who can't walk. But I guess for you, you were saying that like you felt like you could be a positive impact in that kind of environment. Yeah. No. That fair enough. Yeah. No. That you put you summarized it exactly it. And yeah. Hopefully, little Billy gets you know like (laughs) has some progress and gets better but uh like you know that is that's the reality of it right sometimes people Uh don't get better but you know if you can at least maintain what they do have that's the best Mm -hmm. you can do so okay do you guys take Mm -hmm. any courses related to some form of like counseling or something in that sense because obviously as we were just saying like you're not just a physical support like you also have to be like emotionally supportive right yeah um that's a very good question and I don't think we I want to say that you know we do talk about it here and there how to deal with certain patients let's say who present with like complex pain presentations um I don't like I can't say that we had like a specific like let's say like psych course or something like that in physio um Mm -hmm. But, you know, every time we do talk about a case um, in physiotherapy, like in our program, like we always try to talk about the sort of biopsychosocial aspect of, you know, a patient's kind of rehab um, experience. And so it's not always focusing about just their mobility or their strength, right? There's such a big component of kind of their how, they're, how they are emotionally and how they are like cognitively too. So again, yeah, just kind of like, um, considering all of their like social um, factors and everything else and, and not just focusing on their kind of physical impairments definitely is mm-hmm. a big thing okay yeah. yeah fair enough yeah because yeah I totally feel like that'd be maybe kind of helpful because uh, I think that was something I thought about that kind of like turned me away from physiotherapy because I was just like I don't know if I'm emotionally capable of like I'm gonna be too emotionally invested in Billy oh, no. like <laughs> and you know what I, I feel like that's like 
that would be someone that's ideal for actually this this profession right like you need that emotional kind of um, attribute to being a physiotherapist like you can't just you know go through exercises and be all robotic and whatnots and just try Mm -hmm. to hope for everything to be positive like Mm -hmm. and especially you with a great background as well Marcus you know I'm trying to like (laughs) persuade you to get into this program but anyhow I'll let you continue there but yeah, um, since we're talking about like this, the different fields within physiotherapy, do, uh, do you know which, or what are the different fields, I guess? And then what do you plan to specialize in? Oh, goodness. Like, I never have a great answer for this, which is like so <laughs> bad because this is like near my end of my program. But like, there's oh, so... Wait, sorry, is physio only two years? Yeah, it's a two-year oh, master's the... program. Yeah, so after uh-huh. you do your bachelor's degree, then it's only a two-year program to essentially oh. practice. Yep. Um, but going back to your question, there's just so many fields in physiotherapy that like I wasn't even aware of prior to entering the profession. Um, mm-hmm. Like there is like from pelvic health to work again, you know, working with your athletic population to like geriatric to pedi- uh, to pediatrics. Um, so it's, it's extensive. And I, I think, you know, from my background that I, of course, I'd like to work, especially with like a sport population and kind mm-hmm. of like that high performance um, aspect. But I, again, mm-hmm. I've always been interested in working with peds. So working with children, I've just I've been saying that I haven't gotten, you know, actual hands-on experience with working with children with certain conditions. So it's hard for mm-hmm. me to say at the moment, but we'll see in the future. Okay. Well, what do you think makes you want to work with uh, children specifically? Um, I think I just always loved working with children, whether it be like, you know, coaching them through like, let's say like soccer programs or just, you know, having my nephews. It's just, you know, um, or even just like a day of shadowing in a kid's physio clinic. I think it just <laughs> kind of inspired me to work with with those kids because they're just so full of energy and they're you know they're highly motivated even though at most of the times <laughs> they don't really know what's going on but they're they're yeah. cute little human beings so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyways yeah well yeah um wait sorry so do you graduate in april may then or like a month so- from now no my last placement is end of august so after august then i'll be done the program yeah Uh Mm -hmm. and then i guess what's the path forward look like then so is it just you graduate physio and then you're almost guaranteed a job or (laughs) (laughs) well um actually yeah after you kind of write your written like your national written exam which i have in may of this year then essentially you can i believe you can be employed um like as a physiotherapy resident and you can sort of start working in that sense um um, it's not until you finish the practical component as well the the national practical exam that you would be fully licensed i don't know if you've heard recently about the whole drama around that but it's no i have not yeah, I don't want to get into it too much because it's a certain oh, topic. But anyways, just like just um, bottom line is that it's been rescheduled a bunch of times. So a bunch of physiotherapy candidates have been waiting to be fully licensed. And it's just been a very frustrating process. So hopefully it works out for me later on in the year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, so you graduate and then like you work a little bit more and then you take another exam? 
And then yeah, yeah. at that point, you're like a fully fledged physiotherapist, or uh, exactly. That's like somewhat oh. basic. Yes. So to summarize, that's yeah, that's how it works. So after this program, when I've done all my placements, then I try to take. Um, I would finish the like written and the practical exams, and then mm-hmm. you would be licensed um, under like whichever regulating body it is, like in the province that you practice in, and yet you mm-hmm. could be working right after the program. Okay. When you say practical exam, um, I guess how's the practical portion work? Yeah, so like you know, written is kind of like you know multiple choice and whatever, and then practical exam would be. So before it would have been sort of like you know again similar to what I explained earlier about the multiple mini interview at UBC. Mm-hmm. So it would be again like stations where you'd have to kind of present yourself and like you know work with a like a simulated patient, um, and they whatever like condition they have so you'd have to actually go in and like act like you're an actual physiotherapist and mm-hmm. then just basically assess or treat them as is okay. so yeah and then there's like a proctor or um someone there to kind of mark you on the spot there. okay cool yeah no that's sick yeah. um going back to the program a little bit right now like uh, i guess how how have your classmates been and stuff and just how's the dynamic with that because i feel like that'd be kind of that sounds pretty cool like having a bunch of smart athletic kids all in one class how big is your class as well too um it's about 79 of us which has been growing year to year oh yeah i guess oh that's big oh that sounds tiny (laughs) well i guess like in the previous years it was smaller but um yeah like it's, it's 79 of us so you know you get to kind of meet people and grow um like build some friendships and whatnot but it's hard to tell at the moment because like since march of last year i haven't really seen the majority of my class because we've been so online and we're all on placements now yeah (laughs) Yeah. um but like i do see maybe like a few of my classmates like because i do live with a couple here in london as roommates so (laughs) everyone's doing you know they're (laughs) doing the best they can I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, so now that you're in, like, what do you love the most about your program? What do I love most about your program? Oh, hoo hoo hoo. Um, <laughs> the friends that I got to make. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the experiences of the placements. So, uh-huh. um, that like being in the hospital like these past couple of weeks has been really cool. And I guess at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's one step getting closer to what I hope to practice in. So that kind of just fuels me. But yeah, the program itself, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's cool. It's another degree that you get. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was also just wondering, do you have like a fun fact or what's some, what, uh, something like the coolest thing you've learned so far? Uh, oh my gosh, you got to put me on the spot here. Yeah. Oh no, a fun fact. Oh my god, I've learned so many facts recently that like I can't even put a finger to it. Um um well <laughs> no. <laughs> I want to give you a good one, but I can't think of any right now. Like yeah, I'm just going to say okay, this is so dumb, but uh-huh. for anyone out there with lower back pain oh back... me all the time okay anyone older wanna... than 16 bro 
I don't even know. I'm pretty sure that everyone knows this, but in case you don't, the back is resilient and it has like, you know, a good prognosis to recover. So if you if you think you have low back pain, you know, there might be a lot of different factors contributing to it. So um it'll it'll get better. <laughs> okay. That was so dumb. Yeah. That was so bad. <laughs> Do you have recommendations for better better back in general? Because I know definitely I bring, need those. I know. You know why I've, I, I even brought that up was because I was dealing with a little bit of back pain myself too from lifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I've just been kind of trying to rehab myself actually the past couple of months here. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, honestly, the most important thing is to keep moving because a lot of people, they think that just, you know, resting or lying on your back for long periods of time might help mm-hmm. it, but that's just going to kind of make your muscles weaker. It's going to, you know, you're going to lose that motor control. So if, you know, mm-hmm. continuing to walk, doing your activities with just a reduced kind of load, I think is important. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that helps okay. you at all, Marcus, but if you're lying no. on your back for a long period yeah. of time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't really leave the house anymore, so. Yeah, exactly. I've become a blob and my back hurts so, all the time. Yeah, so maybe that's lots it. of breaks, okay. <laughs> gotta get out more. Yeah. <laughs> all right, and then uh, I'm just gonna fire off some fun questions, oh, fun physio-related questions, mostly because, mostly for myself. Yeah. But uh, first question is like, what do you, what's the most common injury people have? most common injury oh my goodness i i do want to say that low back pain and like let's say neck pain are probably like the most commonly reported um Uh sort of injuries and because there's there's so much that could be going on with that lower back right like and you and it's kind of like a big confusing mess but um yeah a lot of times it's kind of just like a gradual over time either you overwork a certain kind of area in your body and that's how you injure yourself mm-hmm. but um yeah because all of those like other ones where like you know you accidentally sprain your ankle like those ones are just mm-hmm. like random situations but yeah uh, sure yeah uh next question is like i feel like uh warm-up and cool down is often like easily <laughs> neglected in workouts so like what's the like in a summary like what's the general importance of warm-up and cool down and stuff like that well i'm gonna turn it back to you marcus what do you think as a dragon voter um well <laughs> um i put you on the spot wait, there. No, no, no. you got this <laughs> this feels good all you <laughs> okay um well you know and even in let's okay let's use dragon voting as an example because we're both dragon sure. voters here but like prior to even going into race we warm up Mm-hmm. right we want to yep. get the muscles going um after our races do we really cool down um not too much i guess right like i don't mm-hmm. know from your experience do you think you cool down after a race um <laughs> not as much as we should <laughs> well i, I guess we that's, that's what i'm wondering is where i'm like at how much yeah like just how important and crucial is it because i feel like it's always it's neglected quite a lot but yeah my my take on it is that you should always cool down but i i admit i'm also lazy sometimes but i mean like can you just like think back to like after like concord or like a regatta we just all Mm -hmm. after a race we just go back to our tents and pass out for Mm -hmm. a good uh half an hour right so (laughs) i think at the end of the day it's it's what works for your body right so like for a warm-up like i feel like going into anything that's you know high intensity that requires a lot of sort of 
neuromuscular activation you do want to prime the body before going into those big movements so uh-huh. let's say those races that we do for dragon boating like we're not going to just jump straight into like a 200 meter or a 500 meter without warming up of course right for sure. yeah. so yeah that's the, and that in the sense that's why we always kind of get our joints moving and you know kind of getting those muscles activated mm-hmm. um and i think it does in a sense does help to reduce or prevent injury injury to a certain extent um in terms mm-hmm. of cool down like honestly for me like speaking from my own personal experience like i don't even cool down as much right after a workout and okay. possibly that could be the reason why i get like delayed onset of uh muscle soreness but <laughs> yeah you know I, I feel like if you're you're, you're continuing to walk after you're doing all these like daily activate activities after your workout like you're you're fine like you're okay um we don't always want to overstretch those muscles right like after mm. a after a workout session too after you do like a big lift like sure you can stretch out those muscles to help elongate those muscles and help with a bit of a flexibility and again okay. i that's what i think is like stretching should be done maybe after your muscles are nice and warm and you know you've done a bunch of things like not prior to a session when they're cold mm-hmm. and they're stiff so i guess that's my my big tidbit yeah oh okay wait sorry that, that wasn't too clear or, no no i'm just really surprised because uh at least for me like as you said races and stuff like i would I don't think I'd stretch after I'm too busy celebrating, right? But mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, back then, like, back when I was gymming all the time, I, all of my friends would be like, bro, you're taking so long to stretch. I'm like, yeah, dude, I gotta do at least half an hour of, like, cool down stretching. Like, for me, I, I found it, like, super helpful. So I'm, I don't know, I'm just kind of surprised that, uh, to hear that, like, yeah. and cool down doesn't, isn't necessarily, like, that crucial. But Yeah, like, and, like, I feel like if you are planning to do it, then after a, a good workout session would be ideal. So again, it's just, I feel it's like personal preference. Um, it's always good to, you know, relax the body after a bit, after a hard, intense workout. So, yeah. Oh, I guess, I guess my question then, do you, if you're down to go a bit more into the science of the, like, so what exactly oh, happens when you stretch out, what exactly <laughs> happens when you stretch out a muscle, like after, because you were mentioning like muscle elongation, right? Yeah. Um, oh, geez, I'm not a scientist or anything, and <laughs> this is, I mean, I could definitely try to explain it, but it might not yeah. be totally right, but from my yeah. understanding, like, you know, after a good workout session, because the muscles are activated and they are kind mm-hmm. of all warmed up, to say in a sense, mm-hmm. um, yeah, when you are stretching it out, like, because it's been activated, then those kind mm-hmm. of muscle fibers are able to sort of kind of work through that active range of motion a bit better than if they're just kind of stiff and you haven't been moving them all day right mm-hmm. um does that make sense in a, in a bit sure i guess my question was like how does elongation help in yeah how does just help like overall um yeah well it helps with flexibility right it helps kind okay. of maintain that range of motion in your joints so okay. like if you if you're limited in a certain um let's say this i'm gonna try to give this an analogy here like for your bicep curls right let's say like you know your this is your full range of motion like from here to here and then Uh you you work out that muscle um and then 
like stretching it afterwards right it maintains kind mm-hmm. of that full range of motion because if you are kind mm-hmm. of like limited in like let's say the joints below or above it like the elbow or yeah. the shoulder then mm-hmm. you know that could just further restrict you from kind of getting that strength in those end ranges of motion okay does that make okay. sense I-, I see what you mean so yeah, because I remember I would never be able to stretch my shoulders after, like, a good pull-up. Anyhow, I, I, I could <laughs> probably give you, like, gibberish right now, and you'd probably believe me, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so I guess I guess from what you're saying, it's mostly just, like, flexibility, and, like, by yes, having better flexibility, you're not going to break stuff. Yeah, I'd say okay. that's, that's the main point, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah, I, I just never knew. Um, yeah. And then, I guess, uh, adding on to that, though, uh, I guess what... Do you guys have a rule of thumb for what's a good warm-up? Because it's like a running joke between me and my friends that I literally take an hour to warm up. Like, uh, like whenever we're playing volleyball or I'm climbing, yeah. like my first hour of my session is just absolute shit. I'm like, a br- I'm basically a beginner. And then what? an hour in, I'm just like on point. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I was just wondering, like, am I warming up incorrectly? Like, is there, is there a general rule of thumbs for warm-ups? Oh, man. And I feel like that's, you know, it really depends what kind of body parts you're moving in that activity you're doing, right? So I don't, I'm not sure what you do in your warm-ups. I don't know what you do for an hour. <laughs> I'm sure. sure that, you know, you go through or, those I'm not, or sorry, I'm not saying, like, I warm up for an hour. I'm just saying, like, oh, okay. while, like, by, like, let's say I'm playing volleyball, right? Like, I'll just do, like, some jogging on the spot, maybe, like, some passing, and then I'll just hop into a game. And, like, okay. as I'm playing my game, I'm, like, kind of shit. But then an hour into my game, I'm, like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of good now. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Um, general rule of thumb. Uh, it's hard to say. I don't think there's something specific I can give you, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but if you're trying to get, a, like, a why does that happen sort of thing answer, um, again, it just comes back to, like, you know, your body's now primed, right, for that movement. So if you just break mm-hmm. it up into like um smaller aspects of that kind of big picture game so like for you like jogging on the spot or just kind of like doing those passes yes Mm -hmm. they're all sort of individual components of that kind of end goal movement which is like you know your your volleyball game and so Mm -hmm. if you're able to like focus on that you know certain certain aspect and then you know, you start to put that together, your your kind of system kind of tries to start coordinating that. Of course, it might be a little bit um, shitty <laughs> in the oh, beginning yeah. of your game. Oh. But, you know, as, as you go on and you get those movements, uh, those repetitive movements in, then your your body's kind of, okay, hey, like, this is how I move and this is how to coordinate. So, oh, yeah. Because okay. uh, I'm not sure, just because I feel like uh, when, like, climbing, sorry, just switching sports, but, like, mm-hmm. when I'm climbing, I find that the first couple, like, little while, like, I cannot pull hard, but it takes me, like, an hour in, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can just, like, yank on this thing, and I'm yeah. good. Like, yeah, yeah, so, and... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I, just, I, I obviously, you're the pro climber here, like, I have no. <laughs> a great idea of climbing, but, um, yeah, honestly, I feel like it's just your system getting prepared to take on a bit more, you know? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I just thought maybe, like, you're supposed to do X, at least X minutes of cardio. No, and no, no. Do, no. like, some mass stretching. Or, no, there's, there's never a discrete number of what to hit, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So very, or, very Yeah, low. I was just thinking, like, rule of thumbs or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, no. And then, I guess, very last question is, like, I always hear about people saying, like, don't stretch a cold bustle, right? Um, but I've also heard people, like, stretch before they go to bed. 
So, like, if I want to stretch before I go to bed, am I supposed to, like, warm up first? Or can I just stretch before I go to bed? <laughs> Very f- fair point. Fair point. Um, and I don't know what the, like, exact science behind that one is, too. And, like, you bring up a really good point, actually. Like, I... I try not to like stretch right before bed and when I do again like I try to get my whole body moving a bit before going into the stretches because yeah like you know um the the biggest concern is just over stretching you know especially when those joints haven't been moving and like a lot of people do injure themselves from over like I think I remember one time like prior to even working out I just tried to stretch my hamstrings and I stretched it so hard that like I had to end up going to physio for it um so I get I feel like at the end of the day it's just stretching it or moving your joints to a certain limit but not overdoing it so you don't want to like you know yank on it when you're stretching it just to get that like you know just to get a little bit more of a stretch Mm -hmm. Um, a a really good alternative too is doing sort of like, I don't know if you've heard, but kind of like hold, relax, or like a contract, relax kind of, um, Mm -hmm. stretching technique. And that's just kind of like you, you get, you push your muscles against, like, let's say your hands for resistance. So you, Mm -hmm. you kind of like work a certain muscle. So it kind of like, let's say your hamstrings, you kind of push Mm -hmm. your hamstrings against your hands and that kind of just activates the muscle. It, It causes you to contract that muscle. And then mm-hmm. you just let go, you relax a little bit, and then you just go further into that stretch. So, you know, that kind oh, okay. of would be a good alternative, I guess. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's helpful. And if any other physiotherapist or someone's listening, <laughs> help your boy out, shoot me a message. I'm, I'm always looking for some yeah, good warm-up, cool-down sure. tips. Cause yeah, yeah. I'm always in pain. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. No, you're not always in pain. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, so moving on real quick. Um, yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, both of us did uh, dragon boating growing up. Um, so I was just curious because, uh, like, that's actually how we met. Um, you were on, I think at the time I knew you, you were on DZP. Were you on a yeah. team before that? I've always been on DZP. Or... Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I was on Hamber and we just kind of saw each other, just part of the community, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess how'd you get into dragon boating? Oh, so I actually did that. I tried like a, just a rec team at my high school in my like final year. And uh, that what was, high school? Um, it was Vantech. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah Vancouver Technical. So mm-hmm. it was like non-competitive. It was just like sort of like a getting exposed to the sport sort of thing. And so after that like year of paddling, I kind of just took a break because I went into um, university, so at UBC. Mm-hmm. And so that first year, I was just focused on my studies and not doing anything else but studying. And it wasn't until second year that I think one of the current members or the previous members of DCP kind of reached out to me and was just like, hey, you want to come paddle? Because you paddled before. And I was like, okay, sure. And then (laughs) from then on, it was like I was stuck with this competitive sport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What got you hooked then? the competitiveness of it no um i because yeah honestly i just i love the um i love being in like a in a sport just like kind of Mm. like always keeping active and the fact that it challenged me to like train consistently too both on and Mm. off the water it was yeah and and just to add to that on top was just the team you know the team aspect of it too i think just every component of it was it was interesting to me did you play other team sports growing up, or? 
Um, I did it in high school. I did, like, soccer. Um, mm. Like, I was on track and field, but, like, obviously I didn't get too far because I'm not doing that anymore, but, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess I guess for you, like, what made the big difference between uh, Dragon Boat and soccer? Because what you were just mentioning is, like, the team aspect, the mm-hmm. competitive aspect. Like, what about Dragon Boat uh, um. attracted you so much more than another team sport such as soccer? Well, the biggest thing is that I didn't have to run as much, and <laughs> and I hate no. running. Well, now I hate running, but <laughs> um, no, that uh, I don't know. I think it was just like a different, different kind of atmosphere, and the fact that you're constantly trying to improve your. I mean, I guess in soccer too, you try to improve your technique, but it was just something mm-hmm. so novel to me that it was. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get better at it. Okay. Yeah. So what was uh what was the training and stuff like um, actually wait sorry also first of all so for yeah. listeners who don't know because i just realized i don't think i've ever really talked about dragon boating on this podcast but for those of you guys who don't know dragon boating is this like sport that originated from china it's like i think the boats weigh like one ton like i think like, so um, i don't know something like that yeah, they heavy. weigh like a ton um and it's a 20 person boat uh well 22 kind of so you have 10 paddlers on the right 10 yeah. paddlers on the left you have someone at the front uh, drumming to like keep pace, and then you have a steers in the back, um, and um, it's slowly becoming a bigger community. I'd say um, mm-hmm. Vancouver is one of the. I'm pretty sure we host the second biggest dragon boat festival in all of North America mm-hmm. um, since like Expo '89 or something. China or donated some boats or something like that but yeah just for those of you guys who don't really know what that is it's yeah just like competitive massive team boat racing oh my gosh you just uh, pull all those facts out of your uh head there uh, like uh yeah that was, that was good you know, I, I've, I, I've done my done my research in the past but okay but you've never talked about uh, this on your podcast that's that's crazy yeah. anyways i feel honored <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but sorry, what was I asking? Uh, oh yeah, what was like your training and stuff like? Um, well, you're probably familiar with it too. I feel like Amber has a good foundation of how their training went, and uh, um, or I I feel like it's pretty different just because for us, well, oh, I don't know, because like for example, we have like land practice and the water practice, and also I guess uh, it's all like at my it's all at Hamber, right? Yeah. So I guess. For, for you, I'm assuming there was more gymming opposed to, like, team workouts. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's... Oh, man, it feels so long ago that we were paddling <laughs> with <laughs> COVID and everything, so I can't... I'm just like, wow, it's been so long. But anyways, with um, with my training schedule, it was a lot of... I feel like I was kind of working out maybe six or even seven days a week, whether that's a combination of in the gym or on the water. And so mm-hmm. ideally we try to kind of paddle throughout the year. I think it was only mm-hmm. maybe in August or September that we had a month off after all the regattas, but then we mm-hmm. would go back into kind of um, off season, uh, building up our strength in the gym, whether that meant like three or four times a week. And most of the time I liked to gym by myself, but it was just nice also working out with a couple of other, my teammates too, just to keep ourselves mm-hmm. accountable. And again, every couple of months or so, we had fitness tests, which you're probably familiar with. So, you know, yeah, um, sure. max max bench press, max pull-ups. Oh, um, oh mm-hmm. man. Um, erg. Oh, man. Yes, that yeah. too. <laughs> Great <laughs> memories. Um, but yeah. yeah, just leading up to it throughout the winter months and so mm-hmm. forth, we would be mainly in the gym until we were able to do like 
OC1 practices and then OC6 um, in January, February, and then like, I, I guess February, March onwards, we would slowly introduce one times and then two times and then three times of dragon boat practices. Um, okay. And yeah, so we would have like, again, we would have those time trials, like in the winter mm-hmm. months, it would be 5k. And then in the springtime, it would be like sprint time trials. So then we would do like, you know, very short distances. Um, and then yeah, so then we would, um, yeah, that's essentially it. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, just checking. Um, I mean, obviously no one's, like, paddling, paddling right now, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, like, are you still part of a team? Or when you went to West... Or, yeah, once you moved to Western in September 2019, I guess, is did you yeah. say, like, oh, I'm going to stop dragon boating for now? Or Yeah, so it actually... The timing worked out pretty well because after... Because I went to Thailand um, in mm-hmm. August 2019 for the mm-hmm. World... Um, World Championships um, yeah. with Team Canada. So then after that, I went straight to my program. So I flew over to London, and then um, there's not that many options for paddling wise in London. A lot of the mm-hmm. teams, as you know, are, they're based out of Toronto. So mm-hmm. in a sense, I was just like, okay, like I've done quite a bit, and you know, it's been a long run in terms of kind of like competing for races. So I thought that it would be a good time to just focus on my studies for a year and then oh, see yeah. where it goes from there. But then COVID happened as well. So <laughs> then it also added to that. And so yeah. I've always wanted to get back into paddling again with the team. But I mean, it just worked out that, you know, I guess I just focus on my studies for now until this whole kind of pandemic kind of <laughs> settles a bit. So we'll yeah. see have, in the future. Do you have, yeah, I was going to ask, do you have plans of paddling again starting like next September or something since you're graduating um, or no? Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll Wait, see. I haven't thought too much about it. Yeah. I haven't. Honestly, after maybe doing all those exams and getting into practice, then I'd consider <laughs> it again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think another uh, another difference, like I guess, being on DZP versus like our high school team is like, I guess, where the team dynamics like, just because obviously most of the kids are like on my team all go to the same high school, right? Like we see each other like during lunch. Like, uh, for example, shout out to Albert, but like I'd race Albert <laughs> air, like literally every weekday on the erg at like twelve twenty two. Like we we just had it set. It was oh just like well, I'm gonna race you on the erg. <laughs> like, that um, is so good. I guess <laughs> I guess how is the team dynamics for you considering that you guys all don't necessarily see each other as much and you guys just come together yeah. to practice. Like did you have a lot of team bonding, stuff like that? Yeah. So I would say I don't get as as pumped as you for those erg sessions. <laughs> but um yeah. no yeah, we would <laughs> It was it's interesting because in our team it was you know our youngest paddler was um like you know in high school or just like first year of uni sort of thing until our like oh, kind of wait who was your youngest paddler I, I think it might have been like clara joined us for a little bit afterwards um and um like even julie too like um oh. anyways um mm-hmm. yeah so our younger paddlers and then we had like you know um like jimmy who's like um on the like he's older and so like he Uh has like years of experience under his belt so um again the whole team dynamic was very interesting in the sense where you know it accommodated so many different individuals and people from so many different backgrounds in the sense where a lot of people are still in school um the other half of people they're working so they'll come like you know after straight after work sort of thing 
and mm-hmm. so it's it was it's honestly interesting but like you know we we try to get together for those regattas and um try to make make as many practices as we can depending on our schedules so oh. yeah do you find that like with the big age range and stuff it was like a little hard to mesh at times or do you feel like everyone got really well got along really well with each other i think um i think that like everyone like offered sort of a good kind of um like they could like offered a certain kind of like a positive aspect to the team i would say mm-hmm. um okay. so I, I feel like the age thing or the like range of ages that wasn't an issue i'd mm. say okay. yeah okay and then not something at, mentioned like earlier, not every though. time anyways yeah sorry <laughs> for sure yeah Sorry, yeah. And then something you mentioned earlier was that, like, uh, you went to Thailand for uh, U24 national team. I uh, I actually didn't realize that we shared that in common until, like, uh, like pretty recently. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I guess how was that experience for you? And was your training any different training for, uh, like, the national team opposed to training for DZP? Um, I feel like my, cha- my training didn't change as much. Like, I'd mm-hmm. say that, I, of course, I tried to put in a couple of more like individual sessions to work on my technique a little bit more because you know there's certain things that the coaches wanted to see um in terms of like in the gym it was just me continuing to try and uh, push myself to get you know better at my like lifts and whatever to help me with those strength tests but um yeah no like training wise it was about the same um yeah sorry was there another question there uh, I guess just how was your experience with the national team in Thailand and all oh, that? It was yeah. it was awesome. Like I, mm-hmm. it was so fun, and of course um, there was, you know, a roller coaster of emotions being there. Just like, of course, it was nice kind of competing with a different team, or like meeting people from like all over Canada, which was nice. Mm-hmm. And it just being in Thailand, it was so awesome because like, it was like endless like Thai iced tea and like you know mango sticky rice. Anyways, I'm not here to talk about <laughs> the food, but yeah. no, it was it was it was really fun. I'd say it's one of my best memories. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, sorry, just talking about training. I checked your Instagram the other day, and <gasps> damn, you hella strong. Like, no, congrats don't look on. At it. You know, I was just. <laughs> Yeah, just in case she doesn't want to flex herself, but uh, Diana could do 21 pull-ups, and recently she hit a PR on bench of 175 pounds, which I think is absolutely insane. I remember when I hit 180, I was like, I'm a monster. And just hear you hit, like, basically the same thing, I'm like, bro, you're a monster. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, no. I I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> so does that mean you're like still training a lot right now and like what i guess i guess before like as you said you're not on a team right now right like for me i found that it was really hard to stay active and stay motivated when i don't have a clear goal like before it was like i need to train so i'm like yeah. i can help the team but now yeah, like, yeah. i guess for you what's your mentality yeah. and stuff and I feel like, you know, you're so right because, like, being in a team and, you know, dragon boating consistently, right? You're just constantly <laughs> training and training. Your body's used to being conditioned. And so just, like, first off, being off of paddling for a little bit um, when I started yeah. this program. And then when COVID happened and gyms being shut down and everything. So, honestly, I my 
trading went like downhill really quickly um (laughs) like a lot of people which is understandable but for me it was just the fact that um i've always wanted to push myself to get you know um like a pr in in my lifts especially Mm -hmm. with like bench just because i'm like i just enjoy it like i I like to to bench press but like yeah exactly and i think well because i i guess we're biased because we're dragon boaters and we have to build that up your body strength but for me i think it was also because of um i tried to like get back into deadlifting as well and then i ramped Mm -hmm. it up too quickly and so that's how i injured my back um so a couple of months i was kind of off of working my lower lower body there and so i was a huge focus on kind of just you know the least I can do is kind of work on my bench press and pull up. So mm. that's what I did. And that, that kind of just fueled me to just keep working consistently whenever I could. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, what are your athletic goals right now then since, um, since you're still training pretty hard from what I hear? Yeah. Well, I think my primary goal um, would be to get back to deadlifting and squatting um, mm. because... I do want to get those lifts back up because I haven't been doing it for months now and it just mm-hmm. it kills me obviously if you don't mm-hmm. you know, if you can't do something that you enjoy right it's it's not fun but yeah those are just a small goal of mine um but mm-hmm. yeah nothing else too too crazy I'd say okay so is your mentality just like you just want to stay fit you want to be able to like move well stay strong 100% yep okay cool mm-hmm. but yeah um wrapping up uh this episode but um what the last questions i ask on this podcast uh, as i mentioned it's called the life leasons podcast and it's all about looking at different people's journeys and a big thing i'm about is like growth and what uh what people learn along the way so uh my final question for you is um what are three life lessons of yours three <sighs> things that you've learned throughout your life that you kind of take forward with you Oh my gosh, you would end this podcast with a loaded question. Oh jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is going to sound so dumb. I feel like I'm just going to pull this straight from like a Google kind of quote thing. But I want to say my first one is just to live life to its fullest. Is that plagiarism? Okay. I can't tell. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean like, what, what does that mean to you, I guess? Yeah, and I feel like, and that to me I feel like is a big part or a big kind of component of who I am as a person. Is that like I like to like kind of just take hold of adventures whenever I can, whenever possible, and just kind of enjoy those moments because just knowing that you know life's short and you want to take advantage of those experiences to add to kind of your you know just to learn more about the world out there and yourself as you go along with those experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's... Oh, yes, I got one lesson yeah. down. Oh, I feel yeah. better. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I guess number two would be to have a good support system. And, mm-hmm. and you tell me, Marcus, if I'm repeating other people's life lessons, because I don't want to be the same no. as them. Um, but yes, like I feel like a good support system is so important, especially when you're in like a master's program or you're living abroad and, you know, you moved over to a place where you essentially didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. I think, um, and that goes back to just continually to be connected to your family members back home or, you know, having that one or two, those one or two classmates where you can kind of 
confide in and share your feelings, whatever it is. Um, For sure. Just instead of holding those those negative thoughts in, right? Uh-huh. Um, and then um, lastly, um, don't be afraid of lifting big weights. How's that? Okay, sure. Because okay. I feel like a lot of people are scared of it, and they mm-hmm. might not know what they're doing to begin with. And, you know, I'm just going to say that we all started you know at a certain spot and um i feel like if you put the the time and the effort into it then you can get to where you want to be so yeah i mean i used to be a little scrawny asian boy and now i'm a little less of a scrawny boy (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's Uh, about it marcus okay yeah no i I like that okay cool Um, yeah so then a very final thing i do uh on this podcast is i give away what i call a friend award Um, Basically, I think people tend to emulate the people around them, so it's important to surround yourself with people who motivate and inspire you. And so I just want to commend you for your hard work. Um, As seeing the fact that you go into physio school or seeing some of your PRs in the gym, things like that are really awesome and motivating to see. Uh, I also really appreciate just how friendly you are, uh, where despite not having paddled together on the same team, uh, you were always a friendly face in the community. And with your physio page, you were just super cool with me just shooting you a message and asking you for some information and stuff. So uh, just keep it up, and I'm really excited to see uh, your journey. That's awesome, Marcus. No, that was very enjoyable, and if you ever want to talk at midnight again with me, um, <laughs> feel free to <laughs> hit me up there. So. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah uh, I know it's getting late there, and we're just finishing okay. up here. So, uh, Sounds good. Just last thing is, do you have any plugs or anything you want to shout out or... No, I mean, if you if you want whoever you are out there to follow my Instagram, you can do so. It's just at PhysioFam. And ideally, I try to kind of put out some useful, relevant content. At the current moment, it's kind of been a bit of stall because of placements and everything going on. But she'll be at she'll be back in action soon enough <laughs> yeah so that's physio fam uh, p-h-y-s-i-o-p-h-a-m on that's instagram right. uh yeah she posts some cool physio stuff i've followed some exercises when i've had some sore back sore neck stuff so <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's good. been helpful and then awesome. from my side just um if you guys can follow life leasons podcast on instagram as well but if that's it uh thanks again diana cool. for being on today Thanks to everyone else who's listening. I hope everyone stays safe, and I'll see you guys on the next episode. Great. Thanks, Marcus.